today on Ag News Daily. So we grew from that, and somebody said, well, why don't we make ag tracks? So we started making our own ag track. We have a construction uh, business unit as well, so they the tracks and tires for the construction uh, market. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Mike Pearson here, sitting in a car with raindrops falling on our heads. And I'm sitting with Delaney Howell. Delaney, how you doing? I'm a little wet, Mike, but not bad. That's right. We're drying off, folks. We were at the Farm Progress Show, the greatest spectacle mm-hmm. in agriculture earlier today up in Boone, Iowa, and had some uh, pretty crazy thunderstorms roll through. They actually shut the show down early today, closed it at noon. So our Tech Tuesday today is going to be a little different. We're talking to, uh, or we've got a report from our good friend Bruce Gorder, our field reporter, Gorder the Reporter. That's good. I like yeah. that. Yeah, and then uh, then we're going to be talking to our friends at Camso, the track manufacturers, a little bit later on. So stay tuned, and Delaney, Farm Progress Show, mm-hmm. what'd you learn? What jumped out at you today? Uh, well, to be quite honest, we didn't really have a lot of time. I mean, besides Camso, we didn't get to hit up a lot of booths, but... We got to see some cool field demonstrations, which you can find on our Facebook and Twitter. That camp. So just for a little more information before we get to it later on in the podcast, um, they do tracks for yeah. a couple different industries. Agriculture is one of their bigger ones. But yeah. the, it's, so we got to see a field demo by that, just some cool stuff that you can find on our Facebook page. But other than that, Mike, we really didn't get to get out and do a whole lot. You found the nice bathrooms. I found the nice bathrooms. That was good. Good to have the rain. Uh, in your I just tell you what, we sat in our cars for probably I don't know. I think I sat in my car for about an hour and a half just trying to leave the Farm Progress yeah. show. Yeah, when they shut it down like this, it's it's a mad yeah. rush to the exits, and uh, you know, luckily I, I don't think anything bad happened. The winds yeah. didn't turn out as bad as right. was predicted, so the show will be back open tomorrow. We'll get to see those tracks perform. I mm-hmm. think in their their ideal conditions, out there running that combine through a muddy field, and um, hopefully we'll have more to say. Yeah. But in the meantime, Delaney... more insight. Yeah, we've got news, though. Not a lot. Well, it's just we, a slow day. We've got one big piece of news. We do. Canada rejoined the U.S. in Mexico on their NAFTA talks. So, basically, Christia, uh, Christia Freeland, the uh, Canadian foreign minister, has said that... Or, excuse me, she has arrived back in Washington. She got there today, and she is starting to look into this deal. She did say, however, that Canada would only sign a new agreement if it is good for the country. And then this was... Uh, I guess a counterproposal by President Trump, who said he is willing to back out of NAFTA, sign a bilateral agreement with Mexico, and then levy tariffs on Canada. Mm-hmm. So there's going to be a lot of pressure there on the Canadians, right. it sounds like, yeah. to uh, to come to some kind of agreement. And really, it's sign this or else. And the Trump administration is hoping by the end of the week they'll have a Canadian signature on the mm-hmm. agreement. Right, because by the end of the week, I think Friday is when Representative Lighthizer will be sending the, what would you call it, a bill it's to Congress? The notice. The agreement. Yeah, the, the notice. notice to amend or whatever. Right, yeah. and we found out yesterday, later after the podcast had cut, so the agreement that they put in place between the U.S. and Mexico is very pro-ag. It's going to reduce and take away any tariffs on ag products. Well, it's going to remain the same as it was before, which is a win. Okay. There's well, zero I read an article saying zero tariffs. Yep, yeah. and that's the way it currently is. Okay, I'm so sorry. So ag isn't changing at all, which is a really good thing. Yeah. I think that's a big win for agriculture. Gosh, it'd be nice if we could see it reflected in the market. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't see it today. It pulled back a little bit from uh, yesterday's move in livestock. We'll get to that in just a bit. But we did also see the... Uh, they left 
one of the neat things for ag industry in this bilateral, so far, bilateral agreement with Mexico, geographic indicators they did. are untouched. Oh, so okay, basically, good. we can still sell Parmesan cheese mm-hmm. into Mexico. I've got a feeling that's going to you know, twerk the Europeans a little bit, especially the Canadians who have already signed the Canada-EU trade agreement that included geographical indicators, which for our newer listeners, those are uh, place names that refer to specific types of production. Uh, Champagne wine, uh, Parmesan Parmesan cheese, cheese, gorgonzola, gorgonzola, yeah, etc. I'm out of cheeses. American. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Basically, the EU has said you can't use those unless you're from those areas. Mexico agreed to the American way of thinking, which is, hey, if we made it in the same style, it's the same kind of cheese. So Mm -hmm. that was definitely a big win for agriculture, particularly the dairy producer. Yes, absolutely, the dairy producers. Well, I have a little bit more insight into the USDA assistance program. Just read quite a few articles yesterday and wanted to try and give some more light or as much light to the issue as possible. So agriculture alone is going to receive about $4.69 billion dollars. And, of course, as we mentioned yesterday, it's based on 50% of your production. The thing I don't know that we mentioned yesterday is you will only receive payment after 100% of your harvest is complete. So you have to get finished, get those numbers into your FSA office. And they can be sale tickets. They can be pin measurements. Basically, whatever you would do for... your FSA, crop insurance, or yeah, whatever. Crop yeah. insurance, CCC, or whatever. The other piece of that, I believe you can also go online to do that. It's farmers.gov slash MFP. And I'll say that again. It's farmers.gov slash MFP. You can also register there and turn in those numbers there. Uh, and then I just wanted to go through a quick rundown here because we had, had some numbers that came out just of the estimated initial payment. So for cotton, they're going to get an estimated initial payment of $276 million. Mm. Corn is going to get about $96 million. Dairy is going to get about $127 million. Hogs will get about $290 million. Soybeans, $3.6 billion. Yep. Sorghum is getting about $156 million, and wheat's going to be about $119 million. And the other thing to consider, uh, hopefully this it doesn't come to this, but this is just the first package deal. The administration has said that if this continues and we don't see things wrapping up here by the end of the year, they're going to put another package, so to speak, later together later on this year, early next year. Yeah, my understanding is there's currently $30 billion that is appropriated mm-hmm. every year into the Commodity Credit Corporation, the CCC, the CCC, yep. and so they're basically using half of it now. And Purdue has said we don't want to do it again, but right. you know they've got a little little dry powder if they need yes. to. Yes, and you know talking about the corn payment there, Delaney, you know we had a conversation a little bit earlier at the Farm Progress Show with Kevin Ross, who is on the National Corn Growers Board, and uh, we'll catch up with him again tomorrow and talk a little bit about yeah, what did they think yeah. about this payment, the one penny or half a penny they did per bushel. So we can speak from the statement the National Corn Growers did saying, in reality, they've calculated that their producers are losing about 44 cents per bushel and they're only getting allocated one cent per bushel. So I think that they feel like their voices are not being heard. Yeah. You know, and and I think that's probably fair when the... When the bears run the market, they can run all the markets down, and mm-hmm. I th- I think we certainly saw that. Yeah. You know, it's not being run down, though, Delaney. What? It's good news what? for Tell me. high-value producers, niche market producers, protein producers, 
U.S. consumer confidence hit an 18-year high wow. in August. Um, so they're they're according to the uh, the U.S. government, households are still excited about. Um, the labor market, they're spending piles of money, which, of course, is something that uh, Americans are good at doing, myself included, and they think this is going to continue through the rest of the year. So that is good news for our meat producers mm-hmm. and for anybody who's growing you know, some kind of a niche crop mm-hmm. that you're selling for a premium. Hopefully our meat producers. I mean, we've got you know lots of meat in cold storage and coming online, so hopefully we can still continue to... But we're chewing through it. And that's at the, the moment. good news. Yes, at the moment. absolutely. Yeah. At the moment. And we got NAFTA renegotiated, so we're going to be sending piggies back down to Mexico mm-hmm. to become, uh, you know, not piggies anymore. Bacon. Bacon, right. Yeah. Porkies. Sausage. Yeah. Uh, so, hmm, good news there. Okay. Good news. Let's see. Uh, I'm going to take it over back to some tariff-related talks. I was reading an article today that came out from the Farm Progress show they did a, or excuse me, the Farm Progress Farm Futures, which I think is an entity or within Farm Progress, but they put together a producer survey uh, that kind of showed what producers from their survey are thinking as far as acreage goes for the 2019 Ooh. year. What's it look like? So it's looking like from their survey... Corn, 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 corn. Soybeans are only going to take about a 2.3 di- decrease in acreage, oh. which would go from 89.6 this year to 87.5 million next year. They are gonna, they are thinking, though, that we're going to see a big shift in wheat acres, um, up about 4.3% in soft red winter wheat and 3.8% in hard red winter wheat. Which aligns right with yep. what Darren Newsom was saying yesterday on the Market Monday mm-hmm. discussion. And then maybe a 2% increase for cotton Okay, is what they're thinking. So Makes sense. Seen those prices rally here, yeah. you know, off and on throughout this past year. The I'm wheat just, doesn't have me excited, though, because we just have so much wheat supply as is. And I don't know that, as we've heard from a lot of analysts, the issues that we're having with global wheat conditions is enough to take that or, or make it more level. Well, you know, I mean, we're still to, figuring out what exactly Europe has yeah, for, a, yeah. for a wheat crop this year, what the Ukraine has and how much they're going to be able to ship out, you know, and, and of course, the wheat market... If Russia decides to move farther into the Ukraine, beyond Crimea, mm-hmm. boy, all of a sudden that could disrupt a lot of uh, wheat production in that country. Mm. So I think there's still some reason to be optimistic. How much are corn acres going to jump up? Did it say? Sorry. Uh, yep, it does say about 1.9%. Now, that's surprising. I would have figured it would be a lot more corn. Too. But this is just one small preliminary survey. Yep. Yep. You know, I was talking to an executive here at the Farm Progress Show, an executive who spends a lot of time down in Brazil. And I said, okay, what are you hearing in Brazil when you're talking to farmers, you're talking to machinery dealers, what's the scoop? And he says, you know, Brazil's going to continue to add ground, Mm -hmm. as they have been, just about 8% per year. And he goes, they are very, very excited this year to plant soybeans. He said, we are going to see some of that first crop corn not get planted. They're going to choose Mm -hmm. to go soybeans. And then he goes, I think they'll probably try to plant a short soybean after their first crop of soybeans, if prices and the Brazilian real stay where they are, which I thought was interesting because Reuters published a special report today, and I encourage all of you to check this out. Remember, Brazil is going to be one of our leading competitors in the commodity production world, and so Reuters is talking about, the report is titled, 
appetite for destruction. Soy boom devours Brazil's tropical savanna. Glad I'm, I'm glad you used your monster truck camp. It's appetite for destruction this Sunday, Sunday, Sunday in Brazil. Um, basically, it's talking about how what we've talked about a couple of times, the Cerrado, which is not the Amazon rainforest. It's more of their grassland. It'd be like the high plains, kind of. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they continue to uh, tear that up, till it, and plant it to beans. And it seems as though the Brazilian government is sort of getting wise to this and perhaps might put some measures Measures in in place place to slow it down like they did with the Amazon 10 or 15 years ago that were very successful. Mm -hmm. But that's why the Cerrado is now being converted into crop ground. So something to keep an eye on. It's slow moving. Of course, Brazilian politics is very, very different from American and Canadian politics. Uh, I'd hate to make a guess as to where this could go. They've They've got a man in prison still currently leading the race for president in Brazil, so things are a little different. But keep an eye on it. Check out that report, special report, Appetite for Destruction. It is interesting, too. I was on Market to Market with John Roach last week, and we just talked about, John wanted to make sure we talked about how Brazil and Argentina's currency hasn't been doing well. Right, which makes their crops that much cheaper. I know. Yes. Do you have any other news for us today, Delaney? I don't, Mike. Should we jump into the markets? In just one second, I've got one other piece of real quick news. We've talked about this a few times. USDA a few weeks ago, a few months ago, withdrew the Mm -hmm. organic livestock poultry practices. And that upset a few uh, organic producers. They liked having that distinction. And they filed a lawsuit. The lawsuit was filed on behalf of the Center for Food Safety, the National Organic Coalition, and the Humane Society of the United States, a group of whom I am not a fan. Um, But... They have uh, a, a California district court today ruled that this suit can go forward. They can go ahead and challenge the USDA's withdrawing of that rule. They say it was not handled appropriately and it exceeded their regulation beyond the intent of the Organic Foods Production Act. Okay. So stay tuned. We'll have more details on that as it goes forward. All right. Well, Mike, why don't you hop into today's markets, which, of course, are sponsored by our friends at the Zaner Group. You can give them a call at 312-277-0050 and find out some, how some of their strategies can help you guys during these very turbulent times. Mike, take it away. Absolutely. Well, let's see. Just how turbulent was it today in the grains? Ooh, corn and soybeans. Turbulent day and not to the upside. In the corn market, September corn down five and three quarter cents at 341 even. December down five and a quarter to finish the day at 356 and a quarter. In soybeans, the September contract. Down four and a four, excuse me, fourteen and a quarter cents, closed at eight twenty and a half. The November down fifteen cents to finish at eight thirty-three and a quarter. Getting close to those technical levels Darren mentioned yesterday. In Chicago wheat, the September contract dropped a penny to finish at four ninety-eight and a quarter, while December was up three quarters of a cent to close at five twenty-three and a quarter. Jumping over to the livestock side, they were not saved today. Bread down the board. In live cattle, the August contract down 40 cents at 107.80. The October down 85 at 108.45. In feeder cattle, the August contract down 87.5 cents at 149.35. September down a dollar 15 to close at 149.52 and a half. And in lean hogs, after yesterday's limit move, the October contract down 
almost the entire $3, closed lower by $2.77.5 at $52 even, while December was down 87.5 to finish at 53.35. And of course, we've got to check on our friends in the dairy industry. Class 3 milk today closed the August contract down a penny at 15.02, while September was up 11 cents to finish at 16.42. Now let's kick it over to our interviews, and first we're going to hear from our friend Bruce Gorder, the reporter in the field. I'm talking with Kevin Butt, professor of agriculture at Ellsworth Community College, uh, one of the fine community colleges there at Iowa Falls in uh, Iowa. And, Kevin, you've got a really neat program coming up for your students and a way that they can uh, learn about agriculture not only in Iowa and the United States but around the world. Let's uh, talk about this new partnership. Sure. Um, Our college started a couple years ago uh, taking some students over to Germany. Um, that started with a faculty member that we have here um, that is from Germany originally. And through those connections, we got to, a year ago, got to meet with a college over there, a university, um, Bachelor's Academy um, of Saxony, and started having some visits and found out they have an agriculture program that was uh, really interested in doing some uh, reaching out past their borders, um, which was kind of similar to what we were looking at. And so this spring when we were over there, um, we um, visit with them, and we formed a partnership. And so we'll have the, the ability of some of their students to come over here and take some classes with us. Um, but what we, the bigger thing is that we can have students that graduate from Ellsworth with an associate's degree and then transfer over to that university and earn their bachelor's degree and for, in essence, for free. The tuition is free over there. Wow, that's pretty exciting uh, for uh, students. Have you got uh, several students interested already? Um, we actually had a student of ours, it's a nice student that went over a year ago and did an internship over there um, through another partnership that we have. Um, he went back this spring with the student group, and while he was there, he was really intrigued by this. So he is he has already signed a letter of intent, and he's practicing his German language right now, and he's on track to, uh, he should be, if everything works out, he's going to be heading over in October, um, starting classes shortly thereafter. Talk about the area of Germany that uh, you're talking about with this school over there and, and compare it to what it's like in central Iowa. Um, comparisons are very similar. That was one of the things that uh, when we visited with them, um, just the way their college functions, you know, what they have for, you know, the way that they see their vision, you know, some of the things that they've had to go through, it's the same thing that we've had here. But um, this college is uh, in the state of Saxony. Um, the college that we're working with on agriculture is based in the city of Dresden, um, which is kind of east-central Germany. And um, so, yeah, and what you see for agriculture over there is a lot of what we see here. Um, the big difference over there is a lot of diversity. Um, so the same farm operations are the same, a lot of family farms, you know, a couple larger farms from the old communism era. Um, but it's not uncommon over there, even on a small farm of a couple hundred acres, that you'll have 16 or 17 different crops. You know, several species of livestock from dairy cows to sheep to pigs to chickens and you name it. So diversity is kind of probably the biggest difference between there and here. With the diversity like uh, it is over there, Kevin, what kind of equipment are they using uh, compared to what we're using in central Iowa? Um, A lot of similar things, but, you know, maybe not, uh, you know, on the larger scale of some things. uh, a lot of the family farms over there are typically, you know, several hundred acres. That's that's about it. 
Um, one of the unique things was a couple of years ago, one of our students that went over there for an internship, um, when he got there, um, the family said, hey, we got a, we got a new John Deere tractor coming. We don't know how to use it. And the student was, oh, I've got one at home. And he basically showed them how to use their tractor, um, which was kind of unique that way. Well, pretty amazing, pretty amazing. Is this going to be confined to uh, agriculture students back and forth or uh, down the line? Maybe you, you expand the program to others, other courses of study. Um, we're going to open up into other courses of study. We started with agriculture because their agricultural faculty were really interested as, as much as we were. And, and once again, as we started visiting with the college, we said, yep, here's what we have for other programs. It's like, yep, we have that too. And we have that too. And, and so going forward, um, we're going to start working with other programs in, in health occupations, um, business. Um, it's like I said, once again, race, it was eerie that here's two colleges halfway across the world and we're almost identical. Wow, pretty amazing, pretty amazing. Hey, if the public wants some more information or uh, maybe students wanting more information, uh, any way they can uh, get that through your website or maybe a, a meeting coming up? Yeah, our website is ellsworthcollege.com, um, and we will be having an event uh, next week um, here at the college. Uh, we actually have a, folks, uh, a group, a, a delegation coming from Germany, about 20 of them, um, a few folks from the university um, that we're working with. Um, but we're also going to have the Secretary of Ag for the state of Saxony is going to be here along with the delegation um, with his folks and then some folks from the ag industry, a couple of equipment manufacturers and people from economic development are going to be here. So uh, we're going to spend the week showing them a, a real good old Iowa fashion. Here's what Iowa agriculture is. The meeting Kevin referred to will be held on Wednesday, August 29th at 9 a.m. at the Ag Center on campus at 707 Ellsworth Avenue. Our thanks to Kevin Butt, agriculture professor at Ellsworth Community College. Another great example of Midwestern agriculture reaching out to the world. For Ag News Daily, I'm Bruce Gorder. All right, again, thank you to Bruce. That was an interesting conversation there with Kevin Butt. Interesting what they're doing with kind of an exchange program. I wish I would have had something like that. I mean, I did, but not specifically for ag. Yeah, uh, they are always innovating up there. It's a fantastic school. I would advise anybody with students who want to get into agriculture but aren't really into the four-year degree program Mm -hmm. or aren't into it yet, Check out your community colleges. Yeah. Great ag programs exist around the country. How many community country. colleges did you go to? Just the one, but I'm a proud oh, graduate. Okay. Des Moines okay. Area Community yeah, College, okay. buddy. Heck of a way to save some money and still get a great education. Yeah, that's true. Now, Delaney, yes. you want to set us up with who our second interview is with today? Yeah, we're going to be talking to Cam So We're going to be talking to them here over the next couple of days to talk about their track systems. Well, here we are at the Farm Progress Show. We're talking to Martin Lukenbein from CAMSO. And, Martin, we're standing here in your booth. For folks that can't be here in person, walk us around. What are we looking at here? Okay, well, what we got in the booth is with pretty much our full offerings in the booth. You can see everything we have to offer from the broadest track selection, so replacement tracks for the track vehicles that already exist that you've bought your previous vehicle, you need a replacement track. We've got them here. It goes from the 2500 series 4500 series, 6500 series, depending on the applications you're looking for, what you want to do with your tractor. So basically we've got the right track for the right application. And what we added to that recently was our remanufactured products. So we'll take tracks back, remanufacture them, and make those available to the market too. So if somebody who's a little more price sensitive, it could be, could be interesting for them. 
It absolutely could be. Martin, I want to take a couple steps back here and yeah. talk about the history of Camso because that name's kind of newer in the industry. Walk us through some of the history and some of the legacy that you guys have here. Okay, no problem. Camso uh, starts back, you got to go back all the way in 1982, uh, when at that point we were called Camoplast. So that was a spin-off of uh, Bombardier, the snowmobile producer. Uh, so right from that time, what got us going in the market are snowmobile tracks. That's basically our DNA is rubber tracks. Huh. And it starts all the way back at snowmobile tracks. We also have some ATV tracks here in the booth that I didn't mention earlier. So we grew from that, and somebody said, well, why don't we make ag tracks? So we started making our own ag tracks. And as we grew, we got more, uh, more representation in the field, more products, uh, made some uh, good acquisitions where we acqu acquired the Caterpillar facility in 2002. Uh, and that was uh, very instrumental for our business unit in growing. And uh, then in 2010, we made the acquisition of Solideal. So some of us, uh, you may notice for a while, is Camoplast Solideal. So those when those two companies came together, a better-known company for uh, construction and material handling products, mobility products. And then in 2015, it was time to make the company one. So uh, that's when Camso came out, the best of both worlds. So Camoplast Solideal put those together, came Camso. So now since 2015, it's Camso representing four different sectors. You've got recreation, off-road. Well, we've got power sports, yeah. Power sports. So yeah. still doing snowmobiles? Still doing snowmobiles. Wow. Market, market, by far market leader in snowmobile tracks. Very cool. Doing the ATV tracks in that same same business unit. And they also came out with a snow bike. What's a snow bike? Yeah, so a snow bike, you take the front wheel off, put a ski on it, take the back wheel off, put a track on like it. Like a dirt bike, but for the snow? Exactly. Like a side saddle, like a sitting straddle to a like snowmobile. A snowmobile. Yeah. But, but you're sitting on it. Basically, you're sitting on a motorcycle going through snow. <laughs> it is, it is crazy. It is. It, they won't let me try it. Okay. So, I, I, no, my insurance policy doesn't cover it. <laughs> uh, but it is, it is really good. It, awesome. It's really awesome. They keep. They're a really dynamic business unit. They keep reinventing themselves with new products. Then we have uh, the material handling business unit. They do uh, tires for forklifts, port equipment, airports. So if you've been in an airport, which most of you have. You've probably seen some of our wheels on the luggage carrying carts and some of those vehicles that are out there. Really? Okay. And we have a construction uh, business unit as well, so they do tracks and tires for the construction uh, market, so uh, tracks for uh, mini excavators and compact track loaders. And then there's the agriculture business unit, which I'm part of, and we do the tracks and track systems for basically the whole ag market. Pretty much any vehicle that comes out of uh, an assembly line today Camso is either exclusively on it or has some part of it. You can see on the, you can't see it there, but on the back wall here, you can see if you come to the booth, some of the OEs that we uh, that we serve. I was over at the Agco booth this morning talking about the Fen Ideal Combine, and they said these are Camso tracks. Exactly. And there's the picture of it. Yeah. So when you talk about tracks for every conceivable application in agriculture, where do where do you see growers really going, hey, this is where I need tracks today? What's the biggest demand driver for you on the egg side? Well, the way we see it, we go, it goes back to every time you touch a field with a piece of equipment, you're having some impact on it. And that's why we're doing some of these studies, uh, some of the studies that show demonstrate the benefits of using tracks on reducing compaction, helping yield, and making sure you always get to your cost benefit for your investment. And, you know, to be able to do that, we have, like I said, the track product line. We have systems, so conversion systems, conversion track systems, where, uh, for example, this system here that's in our booth is to convert a combine. So you can take a combine, a combine tires off. You take off the final drive, 
put the system back on. It has an integrated final drive, so no speed reductions, and you can go out and uh, and use the the track the, the combine at full road speeds and uh, regular harvest speeds. Wow. And I'm just I'm just looking at the the performance stats here. It's a 36-inch track, yep. 70% ground pressure reduction. Yeah, compared to duels. Compared to duels. Okay, because you're doing away with the 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 space in between the two tires, exactly. so you're doing away with the pinch. Correct. And you're spreading it out over how long is that? Five, eight feet? It's uh, it's it's almost two meters. Okay. Sorry for my Canadian my units. Right. right. This is America now, Martin. By golly. Um, sorry. Guys, I hate to cut you off, but. I'm going to leave it here so we can tease people for tomorrow's episode when we're going to talk more about the reduction as well as some of the environmental and sustainability uh, benefits to the track till tire. Martin, thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Well, hey, thank you so much, Martin, folks. Stay tuned. We'll be back again tomorrow with more insights on tracks. And Delaney, I tell you, after today's mud... Mm-hmm. I just about needed tracks on my Lincoln to get out of that uh, I know. Get out of that parking lot. Yeah, seriously. So we're going to be there again tomorrow, folks. If you're going to be at Farm Progress Show, find us on Facebook. Find us on Twitter. Shoot us a message. You can find us at Ag News Daily. You can also find Mike and I individually on Twitter um, if you search for our private handles at Pearson Cattle and at Delaney Howell 07. So shoot us a message. And if you're not going to be at the Farm Progress Show, but you want some insight as to something that is here, drop us a line. We'll happy yeah, to go absolutely. investigate and, you know, Shoot you notes, tell you what we've learned, and maybe help you make some decisions. Absolutely. We exist to serve. That's right. Yes. Good motto. So, Delaney, with all that being said, should we let the people go? Let's let them go. 